Hello, welcome to Out of the Frying Pan podcast with myself, Dorothy Brown, and... And I'm Alan Cooch. Very nice to have you along for this excellent podcast. I said it was going to be excellent last time, and I believe that it is. We've got a lady coming in who's called Julie Harmon. Yeah, and she runs her own business called Just Ask Julie. Now, that's intriguing in itself. So she she's a, a virtual assistant or something yeah, like that? Right, yeah. okay. And I think it reflects the change in work experience for people. You're not going to have a job for life now. No. You are going to change industry, you're going to change the type of thing you do. So for me, I worked for the government, I worked for a very large corporate, and now I run my own business. So as a virtual assistant, I understand that Julie did do that, similar to you, she worked in the corporate stuff, we'll find out for her in a sec, yeah. and then jumped into doing her own business. So I think this is what's going to be interesting about this, is that I suspect that there are many, many people listening to this that will be in the same position as Julie found herself in. Mm. So I'm intrigued, really good. Yeah. yeah. Let's bring her on. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. And welcome to the podcast. Where did you start? I was one of those individuals that when I was at school, I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. Did a couple of A-levels, still didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Did a couple of jobs and I soon discovered what I didn't want to do. And then I was lucky enough to see an admin job for what was then a local publishing company. Um, it's quite a big name and it used to produce a lot of the national all advertising magazines, Exchange Mark magazine, Dalton's Weekly, to name but two. I was offered the job as administration assistant in there and I found my feet. Right. Loved the publishing world, mm-hmm. loved learning all the bits and the trade. Used to love going to the local printers, the local typesetters. And I was there for nearly 19 years. Right. Proud to say I worked my way up from admin assistant to senior production manager and ended up having a team of a couple of hundred who worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But like a lot of businesses, when I joined, we were a big fish in a small pond, which was lovely. You know, Mm -hmm. people knew each other. Over time, we got bought out, we got sold, we became a small fish in a bigger pond. Didn't have quite the same sort of feel about it. And after about 19 years, I was made redundant, which was a little bit of a culture shock, which, if I'm honest, lasted for around about 20 seconds. (laughs) Because then I realised... I didn't have to live this pressurised environment. I didn't have to take phone calls at three in the morning because the presses were down and this was wrong. So it was that epiphany moment that I hadn't really been aware that I was under sort of stress. It's an opportunity, I find. Yeah. I might have said this once before or twice on the podcast, but maybe have done it three and a half times. And I was love the half. The half yeah. is. <laughs> Thank you for asking, but we're not going to get there. Listen to a previous podcast. But it's can be frightening if it happens to you and you've been in a company like you had for such a long time and me also. But then that 20 seconds, uh, for me, it was slightly longer, I have to say. You think, oh my goodness, no, this is an opportunity, isn't it? Definitely stuff's going to change, worrying, but what an opportunity. What was your 20 seconds though? So if I could take a step back, were you expecting to be made redundant? No. Okay. No, no, that came out of the blue. Uh, And I guess that sort of took up the first 10 seconds. And Mm. I think if you're totally honest, you sit there for a minute and you go, hmm, all I've given to this company and now they can do without me. Okay, Uh, I'm not very happy about that. And then the next 10 seconds, it was, as I just said, the epiphany that, okay, I don't have to deal with that pile of paperwork. Because I was deemed to be a senior manager, 
once my team, because a third of my team got made redundant at the same right. time, and once my team had been told I was put straight onto gardening leave, which meant I didn't have to go back in apart from, you know, the official meetings that, you you know, you mm. have to go through as part of the redundancy process. So for me, you know, lunchtime that day, I was as free as a bird, which was a very weird feeling mm. after being there sort of 19 years working some sort of 50, 60 hours a week sometimes. But it was a great opportunity to readdress the balance. And then I thought, well, again, I did the same thing. What do I want to do? I don't know. What don't I want to do? I don't want to go back into the corporate world. Right. Uh, by then, I'd been doing quite a lot of volunteering mm-hmm. for various charities. I'll see if I can get a job in the charity sector. You know, nowhere near the same sort of financial recompense that you get in the commercial world, but you get an awful lot more mm. uh, satisfaction. And it's generally a nicer environment, you know. You're not clock-watched. So from there, I became the area manager for Victim Support Dorset, as it was Uh then. That was a culture shock, you know, not only dealing with victims of crime, which was a lot to learn, but dealing with volunteers as opposed to paid staff. Wow, that was a a learning curve. What was that like then? It was very different. We all know from being employed members of staff that, you, you sign a contract and they are the rules and regulations, aren't they? You know, you promise to be there at nine, you promise to not go home before five, you've got four or six weeks holiday, whatever you're lucky to do, and you'll do the jobs given to you. Yeah. As a volunteer, it's kind of like, well, you know, I'll give my time, I want to do something good, but I can't do anything for the two weeks in June when Wimbledon's on. Big <laughs> Every volunteer said, oh, I'm not around. Really? And as a volunteer, of course, you've got no, just mm. have, you know, you work around them. From somebody who'd come from a very structured publishing world, I, I took a while to get my head around that. And because I was responsible for recruiting volunteers, it meant sometimes I worked in the evenings interviewing the volunteers because they worked full-time, mm. but they still wanted to volunteer at that time. You obviously had to meet with them yeah. when it suited them. So um, it was a great learning curve, um, both from the charity, you know, the victims, the witnesses, mm. We were also responsible for witness service, which worked out of the magistrates and crowns court, which again, you know, I loved all of that. I kind of, you know, having not been made redundant for 20 odd years of work, I then got redu- made redundant again. <laughs> so I thought, well, this is, this is the theme. Yeah, counts going up, come on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I think I got to t- three times I got made redundant in the end. I decided I really enjoyed the charity sector. So from victim support, I moved on to Citizens Advice Bureau. Same sort of setup. I was administration manager, mainly responsible for volunteers and keeping the office going. Left there after a couple of years. Then finally thought, do you know, I've had enough working for other people. And I'd had this idea of Just Ask Julie for a couple of years. I didn't have the confidence to do it. Uh, my husband bless him he kept saying you know you need need to do it you know you've got to get out your system if it doesn't work what was stopping you then do you think that fear of actually having no income coming in and being sort of solely responsible for selling my business if you like selling my abilities I will tell people that I'm quite happy to talk about their businesses. I could go into a meeting and if I knew enough about your business, for example, I've got a lot of knowledge of how things work. Right. A lot of administration skills, a lot of planning skills. But it's trying to get that message across. And at the time, my husband was running a small business uh, doing shutters and he kept saying, I I would need someone like you. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just the confidence finally to to take the step and to think, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work. I have to go and look for another job. 
So yeah. I, took, I took the step. It's interesting what you say about qualifications. And I have a friend who is probably the same age as, as us, and he will not do a job at all unless he gets qualified. So he spends most of his time, and I'm not making any exaggeration of this, he spends most of his time wondering what qualification he gets to do the next job. And most times he never gets the jobs. So he's, he's, uh, this, uh, he'll be listening to this podcast. Go, oh my gosh, he's talking about me. So he's become um, for, uh, um, forklift driver. For no, no, no reason than um, he had a job once and somebody said, can you drive this forklift? And he decided that he couldn't drive it because you're already qualified, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. Working at heights. He's, he's very good at working heights. This guy is he's a practical guy. Don't get me wrong. That's the sort of job that he has. But he's also done academic qualifications as well. And so what you're saying is that you've got a whole load of life skills that you've picked up. And I think you, you get to this stage, don't you, where you think, oh, actually, I've, when you look back, I, I worked for there for 20 years. I worked here for a decade or two decades or more. And you pick up those skills, don't you? Yeah. And those skills in themselves, they should be used and recognised, I think. So I'm pleased to say I'm with you. Yes, if definitely. Any, if, if you're listening to this and you think, oh, I can't do that because I'm not qualified. Yeah. Wrong. You probably can. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the um, key lessons I learned was when I was made redundant from the publishing firm, as part of the redundancy process, they sent me to a recruitment consultant, you know, to help me get another employment. Uh, and this person said, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't want to go back into publishing. I don't want to do that. I said, but that's all my my training. And this person said, well, that's fine. We'll just turn it into a functional CV. And I looked at him and this would say, I have no idea what you're talking about. But it sounds good. Um, yeah. it, and I now talk about this at our networking yeah. group. And it's breaking out what you're what you've learned to do over the years and just changing your CV so it's more functional. So rather than having it historical, you know, I did this and I did that and... So you break it down into functions. So you've got budget management, you've got recruitment, you've got time management, you've got project management. So you take out all those skills and suddenly your CV is totally different. Mm. And it was from the strength of that CV that I got offered the jobs within the charity because they didn't even necessarily know where I got those skills from, but they could see that I had planning, I had recruitment, I had project management, whatever else. And now I, I talk to people at the networking group to say, you know, if you are thinking about changing careers, don't be limited by what you perceive as a lack of qualifications. Yeah. We can change your CV from historical to functional and you'll be surprised how many interviews you might be offered. And that's what people look for anyway. You know, you know what skill do you have that Absolutely. you can bring to the thing, not what qualification you have on that skill. It's interesting because one of my friends, her son is coming up 18 and looking for apprenticeships. Obviously, they're looking at various bits on there and says, right, you, you've know, got to have this interest or these skills. They're not going to have it because they're only 18 and it's apprenticeship. And I said, if you've got 60%, go for it because they're looking for the individual, not necessarily somebody who's got five A stars at A level or GCSEs. They're looking for somebody who's going to fit within their team look beyond what the criteria are if there's something that's core then you might need to have it but that core might be something you've got 10 years ago working for somebody doing something else and i think young people tend to underestimate what skills they have got i recently worked with a young lad who had just finished his apprenticeship and was looking for a job and you know, he said, I've got this CV, does it need some work on it? And I looked at it and I said, what did you do at school? Did you play any sport? Were you in a team? Yeah. Did you ever train people younger than you? Did you coach? 
Oh, yeah, I used to train the under sevens football. And it's bringing out those skills mm. because that is showing you've got a bit of initiative. You know, you can work yeah. with people of a different age. You know, did you have a, a Saturday job? I delivered papers. Were you there on time? And you build up what you did. It's not just, as we said, it's not just about what you did at school. Mm. It's building the picture of the whole person. Yeah, and it's it's recognising. It's recognising what you've done, done. what you can do, yeah. and not yeah. what you don't think you can do. And that's it. It's it's changing around the mindset, isn't mm. it? Very much. Talking so. about changing around the mindset. So I'm thinking here that people might look at Julie's skill set and think, I know I need you but I don't know what I need you for, but I'll do it myself. And I think that leads people who are starting out in their business or they go two years in and they go, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am, what is, what is dragging me down? And I'm working 70 hours, 80 hours a week or, you know, seven days a week when you're starting out. But I do think it's actually turning around and doing the opposite and thinking, okay, I might be good at that. Do I enjoy it? Do I really need to do it? Should I give it to someone else to do? what benefit to me is that going to be? And I, I guess that you pick up those sorts of things as well from people. That's right. And when I started Just Ask Julie, it was the aim was to work with small businesses and try to free up their time so they do what they're expert at. Why did an individual set up a business 10 years ago? It's because they were good at painting, they liked painting, they decided to be a decorator or a mechanic or a plumber. Not an admin assistant, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, no, not an admin assistant. Uh, and from there, they have set up a business, they, they're growing, they're getting the business in for what they're doing. And we all know that red tape is growing oh, over the yeah. years. Yeah. We all know that if you're not on social media in some shape or form, you know, you don't really exist if you haven't got a website. And as you just said, those jobs, a lot of tradespeople, a lot of small businesses know they should be thinking about it, but either don't know where to start, don't want to start, or are just so busy doing their expertise that they haven't got the time to do it. So you're quite right. What I say to people is, you know, think about how much of your time are you spent, for example, doing social media posts. You could be earning four or five times what you can pay me by going out and mending somebody's leaking tap or replacing the boiler as a qualified plumber but I can do the social media I can check the relevance of your website you know how many people look at the actual content that they put on their website a couple of years ago maybe yeah. you know are the opening times still correct is the phone number still correct are you linking into your social media or do those have those links failed because something's changed all those little things but those things can make you look less professional from a mm. You know, so new customers searching for a plumber come across that website. Phone number doesn't work. Yeah. They're not going to keep trying to find you. They're going to no. go to the next one on the mm. list. Mm. I was scanning around the other day, actually. I found a solicitor's office and the solicitor uh, clearly not interested at all uh, in online. Well, they might have been in the year 2000 because <laughs> yeah. their website was absolutely horrendous. Immediately they apologised. And I was not phoning up about the website. I was phoning about something else. And they immediately apologised for the website. Certainly. I've been to a a recent industry uh, conference. And one of the things that was talked about was outsourcing. You know, actually outsourcing the work that we do to people abroad and whether it was successful or not. But it's it's outsourcing all the all the bits that surround. Like we were talking earlier on about bookkeeping. Do you outsource your bookkeeping? Yes, because I pay the person who does that less than I pay my employee to do that. Mm. I get her doing things that are going to benefit the company rather than 
having to sit there and input data for uh, our bookkeeping and accounting. So, Julie, what are you finding that people... What, is there some sort of core thing that people are, are, are really not doing that they should be doing? I find a lot of requests now I'm getting is to do social media. Because yeah. I think a lot of small businesses know that they need to be out there. But it is time-consuming. And it can be quite self-absorbing. You've got to be quite disciplined. You know, how many posts do you do? How many reactions do you do to other people's posts? If you're not careful, you know, somebody can spend all morning on social media yep. and then think, actually, I could have been out there changing a boiler, decorating a house. And that helps them to be disciplined because I'll generally meet with them once a month and say, OK, what is your focus for the next month? Are you promoting any special deals? Is there anything coming up uh, that you know you want to talk about? And some of it is weather. You know, a, a garage is a great one. A mechanic is great because you've got all the things you should be thinking about to do with your car in the winter. Right. You know, yeah. do the tires, the oil, the water, the antifreeze. So it's getting those posts scheduled early so that they're relevant. Uh, so it helps them think about what's happening in the month ahead, and then I just go away. Uh, obviously, that with their agreement, write the posts. You know, use some graphics, whatever it may be and schedule but it also means I've got the time to then go back into their social media to see you know what post worked when are their followers online because there's not much post point posting at say 10 o'clock in the morning if most of their followers are actually looking at social media at seven o'clock at night yeah. to join their dinner because mm-hmm. we all know you get so much on your feed something that yes. goes out seven hours before you're on it you're unlikely to see it mm. unless it's been reposted by somebody you know so it's having the time to sort of look at their accounts to try and make the most of the time. So what's the first thing that they, they can do other than come to you, of course? They should sit down and have a social media calendar. That right. Rather than just thinking, I've got a spare five minutes a day, I'll bang something out. That's just a waste of time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I encourage anybody to sort of just sit down and create a calendar. So depending on what your business is, what your demographics is, what social media works for you. There's so many growing ones out there. I don't think anybody can go on all of them unless you're going to employ somebody full time. And then is that cost effective? So look at what you're aiming for and then choose maybe two channels to start with. So that you mean like a Facebook or, uh, a, Facebook, or a Twitter? Facebook, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Twitter, you, yeah, uh, TikTok. Yeah. And again, you know, most businesses, it's Facebook and LinkedIn. And it sounds to me as though that wouldn't be a massive, great big amount of work you're asking people to look forward a little bit and I, i'm guessing that if you're in the moment and you're you're doing you're working as they say in your business not on it then that might in it in itself be a, a problem but a, a calendar d- doesn't sound very difficult to me at all if you if, you know if you know your business then you know what's coming up surely. absolutely and it's just taking that 20 minutes out and you can either write it on a calendar mm. i tend to set up a very simple excel spreadsheet yeah. just so that it's there and then i've also got a record easily of what we've spoken about, what have we mentioned, when did we last mention, you know, vouchers. Because, again, you don't want to be boring. Yes, you want to repeat key messages from time to time, but you don't want to beat your followers over the head with a frying pan type thing. So something like a spreadsheet is a good way to keep an eye on what you're doing. It's not brain surgery. It's just taking the time out. Then you get into your social media platforms and you look to see when people are following you. And all those insights all that data is there Mm. social media facebook linkedin instagram they're all pretty good at telling you when people are looking at your stuff yeah and it's you know makes sense to think well if most people are looking at my pages at seven o'clock at night i'll post at seven o'clock at night not seven o'clock in the morning yeah 
So yeah. it's there when they're, yeah. So, so you actually, it's the top yeah. of their feed or exactly. whatever when they open it. Right. Um, and the other way is always to encourage your 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 friends or your you know colleagues to keep liking and following you Absolutely. so that the reach grows. Yeah. You know, the more you can get people to follow your page, their friends will see you if, you know, things get liked. And it then starts to snowball. Yeah. Um, As I say, uh, momentum. Yeah, you've got to keep keep going with that momentum. Yeah, and yeah. I do urge people to do the the likes and the and the reposting. Yeah, you know, support your local businesses. Yeah, in in that way, certainly uh, if it's somebody in your network that you know. So this is what you do then, Julie, and your business is called Just Ask Julie. But talking before we came on, that this isn't a full time job for you. You you sound to me like you've got an ideal job <laughs> that actually is really helping you as well. Your husband's retired. My husband's retired. Yeah, and you, but you haven't quite joined him. But, so you... Not quite. I've got I've got a toe in the water. Let's right. put it that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, my work life balance is very important to me, and I think I discovered that because of the amount of hours that I was working in the publishing firm. Uh, and I'm not criticising them. Like I say, I loved it for a long time, and I think when you're younger, setting out, making your mark. Yeah then you're quite happy to do it. I got the promotions and the recognition to go with it. But then you just hit a certain time in your life, a certain ceiling when you kind of go, I want to do other things. But it also means I can be very flexible. That's what I'm getting to. So you've got your own issue of time management and other people's expectations, managing their expectations and things like that. So how is that working for you? It's generally, it's working well because I do have strong administrative and planning skills. So I'm aware of... I'm hoping to achieve to do in the following month in my social life, if you like. Um, but also I can encourage my clients to say, okay, we need a meeting. We don't have your social media plan. Again, the benefit for me is I can be flexible to what they, they need. And I don't mind what I do within reason. I mean, I do say I can't help you with your expertise in the business. You know, so I can't paint a room for you or <laughs> yeah. I can't mend a car. But actually, while you're busy doing all that, let me... Type, you know, do your invoices, or do your client newsletter. Uh, again, depending on what line of business is, I think some clients, some businesses forget the benefit of just communicating with their clients. Yeah. yeah. So can I ask you a question about, about this? I'm really interested in the fact that you've got this sort of work-life balance here. And I, I imagine that there's a lot of people that are actually thinking, you know, I've had enough of the corporate, but I can't, I want to start my own thing. And we've already covered that you've got the skills probably that you don't know. You don't need necessarily the training to do it, but the life skills help. So I'm sort of thinking getting that work-life balance correct. What would you say to somebody who's where you were maybe a few years ago and they're thinking about setting something up that means that they've got flexibility in their life? I think you need to take sort of time out to think it. And it almost goes back to doing a very simple... SWOT analysis, you know, as I said earlier on. That sounds quite technical, Julie, I've got to say that. <laughs> You've just gone well, corporate on me. It's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. threats. But it's not even that technical because my husband was, you know, going on for a little while saying you need to do this. So in the end, I just wrote down on a piece of paper, you know, the benefits of doing it, you know, freedom, flexibility, variation of work, and then, you know, the negatives. Uh, so, yeah, I work part time as just asked Julie. said it was going to be interesting didn't i you were right i was and i this i've not met julie before but i just got the feeling that she knew stuff 
What have we learned, Alan, today? <laughs> Although I was interested that she actually did do a SWOT analysis, Yay. strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats, that you would actually sit down on a Sunday evening and actually do that and how useful that was to her. And I never thought about that actually before, so probably it is. Yeah. And, and the functional aspect of one's career. Yeah. So of, of not the qualifications. No, it's what you've done, who you are. If you're able to say you've run the under sevens football club, yeah. what does that demonstrate? Yeah, which means that. I think that's a good question mm. to, you, mm. you always ask. To get functional stuff, I would imagine that you'd list down the sort of roles that you had and then yeah. the next level would be what you did in those roles mm. and then ask yourself, which means that you can do X or you're yeah. very good at Y or, yeah. and then work out from that what you can actually sell yourself and what you're happy at selling yourself doing because yes. that comes into it as well, yeah. doesn't it? And, and the other thing, of course, that she talked about, which is very important for her, and I think people listening should think about, maybe I shouldn't put the word should in there, but to think about is your work-life balance. As she said, we've talked about back in your 30s, you're willing to do your silly hours. Are you wanting to do it later on in life? What is it that you want to be doing? And it sounds like she's got a great work-life balance for her. There are companies that actually now are genuinely employing people for four days a week mm. and they're getting out of their employees the same amount of work and in some cases more than they were doing if they were working for five days a week. Still yeah. getting the same amount of money, by the way. So I think this is very good. Work-life work balance, functional stuff, doing your analysis, and then probably you're in a good position to take that leap. Yes, and come out of the frying pan. Well, there we are. Okay, so that was a fantastic podcast. Another exciting guest coming up next time. I hope you can join us for that. As always, you can find uh, more podcasts in this series by going to the normal place where you found this podcast and just searching for Out of the Frying Pan podcast. It's got to be the Out of the Frying Pan podcast, I've been told, because that's the whole thing you've got to put in to make sure that you find us. And if you could like and subscribe and tell other people about us as well, that would be truly great. Until next time, I've been Alan Coote. And I've been Dorothy Brown.